listening to Nightlight. Hi and welcome to this special edition of Nightlight. Special because on today's program, I'm going to be sharing with you some very beautiful meditations on the Song of Solomon, written by Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest and most prolific Christian writers and preachers, lived in the second half of the 19th century, still very popular today. And these meditations are taken from his morning and evening daily devotionals. And as usual, each meditation will be complemented with an appropriate song. With music to calm and soothe your soul, you're listening to Nightlight. Well, I'm going to be mostly reading, not talking, in this special edition of Nightlight, which I pray you'll have time to stop whatever else you're doing and relax and listen and enjoy.
Jerry Palladino. I'm not sure who the girl is singing with him. Beautiful song. That's called The Song of Songs. And on the program today, I'm going to be reading you some beautiful meditations by Charles Spurgeon on The Song of Solomon. Wikipedia says that The Song of Songs is unique in the scriptures in its celebration of sexual love. It gives the voices of two lovers praising each other and yearning for each other. Jewish tradition reads it as an allegory of the relationship between God and Israel, while Christian tradition, in addition to appreciating the literal meaning of romantic song between a man and a woman, sees the poem as an allegory of the passionate love of Christ, the bridegroom, for his church, the bride. And, and I really like this thought, it suggests that the two partners are equals, bound in a freely consented emotional relationship. And I pray that you will be moved emotionally as you listen to these beautiful meditations from Charles Spurgeon to desire a deeper and more passionate relationship with the lover of all lovers, our heavenly husband, Jesus Christ. Inspiring you to draw closer to God. You're listening to Nightlight. My sister, my spouse. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 12. Observe the sweet titles which the heavenly Solomon, with intense affection, addresses his bride, the church. My sister, one near to me by ties of nature, partaker of the same sympathies. My spouse, nearest and dearest, united to me by the tenderest bands of love. My sweet companion, part of my own self. My sister, by incarnation, which makes me bone of thy bone and flesh of thy flesh. My spouse, by heavenly betrothal, in which I have espoused thee unto myself in righteousness. My sister, whom I knew of old, and over whom I watched from her earliest infancy. My spouse, taken from among the daughters, embraced by arms of love, and affianced unto me forever. See how true it is that our royal kinsman is not ashamed of us, for he dwells with manifest delight upon this twofold relationship. We have the word my twice in our version, as if Christ dwelt with rapture on his possession of his church. His delights were with the sons of men, 
because those sons of men were his own chosen ones. He, the shepherd, sought the sheep because they were his sheep. He has gone about to seek and to save that which was lost because that which was lost was his long before it was lost to itself or lost to him. The church is the exclusive portion of her Lord. None else may claim a partnership or pretend to share her love. Jesus, thy church delights to have it so. Let every believing soul drink solace out of these wells. Soul, Christ is near to thee in ties of relationship. Christ is dear to thee in bonds of marriage union, and thou art dear to him. Behold, he grasps both of thy hands with his own, saying, My sister, my spouse, mark the two sacred holdfasts by which thy Lord gets such a double hold of thee that he neither can nor will ever let thee go. Be not, O beloved, slow to return the hallowed flame of his love. sky with dreams that soar and hopes that fly it is a never-ending ocean of everlasting deep emotion it has the tenderness of spring the charm that warmth and laughter bring to heal to be a fantasy my heart's unwritten
Yea, he is altogether lovely. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16. The superlative beauty of Jesus is all-attracting. It is not so much to be admired as to be loved. He is more than pleasant and fair. He is lovely. Surely the people of God can fully justify the use of this golden word, for he is the object of their warmest love, a love founded on the intrinsic excellence of his person, the complete perfection of his charms. Look, O disciples of Jesus, to your master's lips and say, Are they not most sweet? Do not his words cause your hearts to burn within you as he talks with you by the way? Ye worshippers of Emmanuel, look up to his head of much fine gold, and tell me, are not his thoughts precious unto you? Is not your adoration sweetened with affection, as ye humbly bow before that countenance which is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars? Is there not a charm in his every feature? And is not his whole person fragrant with such a savor of his good ointments that therefore the virgins love him? Is there one member of his glorious body which is not attractive, one portion of his person which is not a fresh lodestone to our souls, one office which is not a strong cord to bind your heart? Our love is not set as a seal upon his heart of love alone. It is fastened upon his arm of power also. Nor is there a single part of him upon which it does not fix itself. We anoint his whole person with the sweet spikenard of our fervent love. His whole life we would imitate. His whole character we would transcribe. In all other beings we see some lack. In him there is all perfection. The best, even of his favored saints, have had blots upon their garments and wrinkles upon their brows. He is nothing but loveliness. All earthly sons have their spots. The fair world itself hath its wilderness. We cannot love the whole of the most lovely thing, but Christ Jesus is gold without alloy, light without darkness, glory without cloud. Yea, he is altogether lovely.
My Beloved, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8. This was a golden name which the ancient church in her most joyous moments was wont to give the anointed of the Lord. When the time of the singing of birds was come, and the voice of the turtle was heard in her land, her love note was sweeter than either, as she sang, My beloved is mine, and I am his, he feedeth among the lilies. Ever in her song of songs does she call him by that delightful name, My beloved. Even in the long winter, when idolatry had withered the garden of the Lord, her prophets found space to lay aside the burden of the Lord for a little season and to say, as Isaiah did, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. Though the saints had never seen his face, though as yet he was not made flesh, nor had dwelt among us, nor had man beheld his glory, Yet he was the consolation of Israel, the hope and the joy of all the chosen, the beloved of all those who were upright before the Most High. We, in the summer days of the church, are also wont to speak of Christ as the best beloved of our soul and to feel that he is very precious, the chiefest among 10,000 and the altogether lovely. So true is it, that the church loves Jesus and claims him as her beloved, that the apostle dares to defy the whole universe to separate her from the love of Christ and declares that neither persecutions, distress, affliction, peril, or the sword have been able to do it. Nay, he joyously boasts, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Oh, that we knew more of thee, thou ever-precious one. My sole possession is thy love, in earth beneath or heaven above. I have no other store, and though with fervent suit I pray and importune thee day by day, I ask thee nothing more. You're the music, I'm 
to a special edition of Nightlight, a devotional edition, listening to Charles Spurgeon's meditations. Well, at least just about eight of them, I think, and I have time to read eight out of about 33 devotionals that he has dedicated to the Song of Solomon as part of his morning and evening devotional series. You know, what I love about Spurgeon's meditations on the Song of Solomon is that you can really feel his deep personal love for Jesus. They're not just theological essays on Christ's love for his church, but you can feel the passionate love relationship that Spurgeon had with Jesus. And when I read these, it certainly inspires me to want to have a deeper and more emotional relationship with the Lord. Visit our website at radioact.org. That's our web address, www.radioact.org. Almost 100 international nightlight shows, plus a lot of other audio inspirations that you can hear at that website. All right, let's get back to the main topic of our program on nightlight and listen to some more beautiful devotionals by Charles Spurgeon on the Song of Songs, also known as the Song of Solomon. Nightlight. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. A bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 13. Myrrh may well be chosen as the type of Jesus on account of its preciousness, its perfume, its pleasantness, its healing, preserving, disinfecting qualities 
and its connection with sacrifice. But why is he compared to a bundle of myrrh? First, for plenty. He's not a drop of it. He is a casket full. He is not a sprig or flower of it, but a whole bundle. There is enough in Christ for all my necessities. Let me not be slow to avail myself of him. Our well-beloved is compared to a bundle again for variety. For there is in Christ not only the one thing needful, but in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything needful is in him. Take Jesus in his different characters, and you will see a marvelous variety. Prophet, priest, king, husband, friend, shepherd. Consider him in his life, death, resurrection, ascension, second advent. View him in his virtue, gentleness, courage, self-denial, love, faithfulness, truth, righteousness. Everywhere he is a bundle of preciousness. He is a bundle of myrrh for preservation. Not loose myrrh to be dropped on the floor or trodden on, but myrrh tied up, myrrh to be stored in a casket. We must value him as our best treasure. We must prize his words and his ordinances. And we must keep our thoughts of him and knowledge of him as under lock and key, lest the devil should steal anything from us. Moreover, Jesus is a bundle of myrrh for speciality. The emblem suggests the idea of distinguishing, discriminating grace. From before the foundation of the world, he was set apart for his people, and he gives forth his perfume only to those who understand how to enter into communion with him, to have close dealings with him. Oh, blessed people, whom the Lord hath admitted into his secrets, and for whom he sets himself apart. Oh, choice and happy, who are thus made to say, A bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me. I can feel in the breeze 
up my love my fair one and come away song of solomon chapter 2 verse 10 lo i hear the voice of my beloved he speaks to me 
Fair weather is smiling upon the face of the earth, and he would not have me spiritually asleep while nature is all around me awakening from her winter's rest. He bids me rise up, and well he may, for I have long enough been lying among the pots of worldliness. He is risen, I am risen in him, why then should I cleave unto the dust? From lower loves, desires, pursuits, and aspirations, I would rise towards him. He calls me by the sweet title of my love and counts me fair. This is a good argument for my rising. If he has thus exalted me and thinks me thus comely, how can I linger in the tents of Kedah and find congenial associates among the sons of men? He bids me come away, further and further from everything selfish, groveling, worldly, sinful, he calls me, yea, from the outwardly religious world which knows him not and has no sympathy with the mystery of the higher life, he calls me. Come away has no harsh sound in it to my ear. For what is there to hold me in this wilderness of vanity and sin? O oh, my Lord, would that I would come away. But I am taken among the thorns and cannot escape from them as I would. I would, if it were possible, have neither eyes nor ears nor heart for sin. Thou callest me to thyself by saying, Come away. And this is a melodious call indeed. To come to thee is to come home from exile to come to land out of the raging storm, to come to rest after long labor, to come to the goal of my desires and the summit of my wishes. But Lord, how can a stone rise? How can a lump of clay come away from the horrible pit? Oh, raise me, draw me, thy grace can do it. Send forth thy Holy Spirit to kindle sacred flames of love in my heart, and I will continue to rise until I leave life and time behind me, and indeed come away.
your sweet voice that I treasure And your love gives me great pleasure Come away with me To a land beyond your dreams Come away with me Your love is what I need Come away with me To a land beyond your dreams Come away Like a candle in the night, it's nightlight. I am the rose of Sharon. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1. Whatever there may be of beauty in the material world, Jesus Christ possesses all that in the spiritual world in a tenfold degree. Amongst flowers, the rose is deemed the sweetest. But Jesus is infinitely more beautiful in the garden of the soul than the rose can be in the gardens of the earth. He takes the first place as the fairest among ten thousand. He is the sun, and all others are the stars. The heavens and the day are dark in comparison with him, for the king in his beauty transcends all. I am the rose of Sharon. This was the best and rarest of roses. Jesus is not the rose alone. He is the rose of Sharon, just as he calls his righteousness gold, and then adds the gold of Ophir, the best of the best. He is positively lovely and superlatively the loveliest. There is variety in his charms, The rose is delightful to the eye, and its scent is pleasant and refreshing. So each of the senses of the soul, whether it be the taste, or feeling, the hearing, the sight, or the spiritual smell, finds appropriate gratification in Jesus. 
Even the recollection of his love is sweet. Take the rose of Sharon and pull it leaf from leaf and lay by the leaves in the jar of memory and you shall find each leaf fragrant long afterwards, filling the house with perfume. Christ satisfies the highest taste of the most educated spirit to the very full. The greatest amateur in perfumes is quite satisfied with the rose. And when the soul has arrived at her highest pitch of true taste, she shall still be content with Christ. Nay, she shall be the better able to appreciate him. Heaven itself possesses nothing which excels the rose of Sharon. What emblem can fully set forth his beauty? Human speech and earth-born things fail to tell of him. Earth's choicest charms commingled feebly picture his abounding preciousness. Blessed rose, bloom in my heart forever.
Thou art all fair, my love. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 7. The Lord's admiration of His church is very wonderful, and His description of her beauty is very glowing. She's not merely fair, but all fair. He views her in Himself, washed in His sin-atoning blood, and clothed in His meritorious righteousness, and He considers her to be full of comeliness and beauty. No wonder that such is the case, since it is but His own perfect excellency that He admires. For the holiness, glory, and perfection of His church are His own glorious garments on the back of His own well-beloved spouse. She's not simply pure or well-proportioned. She is positively lovely and fair. She has actual merit. Her deformities of sin are removed. But more, she has, through her Lord, obtained a meritorious righteousness by which an actual beauty is conferred upon her. Believers have a positive righteousness given to them when they become accepted in the Beloved. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. Nor is the church barely lovely. She is superlatively so. Her Lord styles her, Thou fairest among women. She has a real worth and excellence which cannot be rivaled by all the nobility and royalty of the world. If Jesus could exchange his elect bride for all the queens and empresses of earth, or even for all the angels in heaven, he would not. For he puts her first and foremost, fairest among women. Like the moon, she far outshines the stars. Nor is this an opinion which he is ashamed of, for he invites all men to hear it. He sets a behold before it, a special note of exclamation, inviting and arresting attention. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 1. His opinion he publishes abroad even now. And one day, from the throne of his glory, he will avow the truth of it before the assembled universe. Come, ye blessed of my Father. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, will be his solemn affirmation of the loveliness of his elect. Just a child was I before, happy in your palace, my dear King. There I grew up and learned to see The beauty that you give to everything And living there within your thoughts It seemed these days would never end You sweetly loved and gently taught I knew you were my father and my friend And through the years of serving you I saw how much I need your word To guide me and to teach me truth To fill my heart with strength Love to serve. I struggled and I fought for you. The souls of men as gifts did bring. Even then, our love was strong and true. I loved you as.
seen you weeping for the lost before, but somehow this time it took me by surprise. You told me how you loved me, thanked me for my service over the years. Then you took my hand and kneeling down, explained to me the reason for your tears. Someone to share my heart with, and I was sure that you would understand. I have so many loyal friends, and what we've shared I treasure. But my passion still lies unfulfilled. Oh, won't you be my bride, be my lover? You said if you'll be. And you took me as your bride. At first, it wasn't easy to forsake my independence and my pride. But as time goes by, we grow in love, sweeter, closer in every way. You kept your promises. Well, on the program today, I only had time to read you seven of the 33 meditations inspired by scriptures from the Song of Solomon that are part of Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening Devotionals. If you've enjoyed them and would like to hear all 33, well, you can because I'm rendering all 33 into one audio file and including it on our SoundCloud Nightlight playlist as a supplement to this program where you can download it. You'll also find it on our website at www.radioact.org. 
www.morningandevening.org and you can find the entire morning and evening devotionals as well as other classic and modern daily devotional series at www.treasures365.com That's it from me for now and I look forward to being back with you again soon for another edition of Nightlight. God bless you. Jesus loves you. Bye-bye.